Our second scripture today is from Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. May he live with this while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him and all nations render service. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy and saves from oppression and violence. He redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun, May all nations be blessed in him. May they pronounce him happy. Blessed be God, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be God's glorious name forever. May God's glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God of all nations, God made known to us in Jesus Christ, God present with us now, open our hearts as we encounter your word that we might come to life for you. Amen. So we are going to keep going with our quiz theme. And today's sermon starts with a quiz, just one question. It's going to be one true-false question. I'll read the statement. I'll give you just a few moments, and I'll read it again, and then I will ask you for the answer. You can do this. Are you ready? Here it is. True or false? God thinks that kings are a great idea. Think about it. Think about it. God thinks that kings are a great idea. True or false? false. Correct. False, false, false. God does not in any way, shape, or form think that kings are great or even a good idea. Do you remember? I think we've uh, looked at this story twice uh, since I've been here. Um, it's an odd one to have as a favorite, but it is. Um, after the people have settled in the land, the people tell the prophet Samuel, go and ask God for a king. We want a king. And God says, no way. Are you kidding? That's a, a horrible idea. Think about what kings do. A king will take your sons and daughters, your children, and press them into hard labor. He'll send your sons off to war. A king will take your grain and your livestock 
you don't need a king, you just need me, God, you and me, the way the world should be. And the people say, thanks, but no thanks. Give us a king. Give us a king so that we can be like all of the other nations. And God says, okay, Samuel, the prophet, give them what they ask for. And the people get a king, king after king after king. It is the history that we read for the rest of the Old Testament. And the kings are, with rare exception, pretty lousy. There's David and Solomon who are at times are lifted up because at least they governed over an undivided nation. And so sometimes the people look back at the glory days, their glory days. But you know, the Bible has plenty to say about their flaws. And there's Josiah and maybe Hezekiah who try to do better. But other than that, the kings do exactly what God says they would. They do what kings do. And the people are left suffering, living a bare subsistence living, the judicial system corrupted by power, constantly under threat of invading armies. It's into that history, that reality that the prophets come and speak. It's into that history, that reality that the people sing this morning's psalm. Psalm 72 is what is called a royal psalm. We've talked about how the Psalms speak to the whole of life. Well, this group of Psalms speaks into our public life. How the people, the nation, orders its economic, judicial, political systems. How it allocates its resources. Who thrives, who hungers, who survives, who perishes. Who has the power and how do they use it? These Psalms speak to and about sovereignty and power. Now, because in their world, the king has sovereignty, these psalms are addressed to the king. They seek the king's well-being in the hope that he will structure a world that supports and protects the well-being of the people. May the king live while the sun endures. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass. In his days, may righteousness flourish and peace abound. Now, they may feel strange to us, these psalms sung to a king. We don't hear these royal psalms often in church, but think of it this way. These psalms sing about sovereignty and power and how they are used. So in a monarchy, you sing to and about the king because the king is the one who has the sovereignty and the power. In a democracy, we say that sovereignty lies in the people. We the people. A government of the people, by the people, for the people. So if we were to sing these psalms to the sovereign in our world, in our nation, in our democracy, we would sing them to and about us, we the people. These royal psalms sing into the national life of a people, first sung long ago to and about a king. We don't hear them often, but maybe it makes sense to listen to this psalm for a nation on a weekend when we observe our national holiday, to listen to them from the ancient world of kings into this present moment, into this democratic nation, this republic. Now, before we do that, 
maybe we should back up just a bit and say that before this psalm is about the sovereignty of nations and kings, this psalm is first and foremost about the sovereignty of God. Before they say anything to or about the king, these royal psalms stand confident that God is sovereign all the time, everywhere. Psalm 72 begins, God, give your judgments to the king, your righteousness to the king's son. And it ends, God alone does wondrous things. Standing there, this psalm sings to the king and the people, the world God wants. May justice flourish and peace abound for this nation and for all nations. We think that this Psalm 72 may have actually been a coronation psalm. So you can imagine it as a song sung to the king as the king became king. It's both a prayer and a charge. Instructions. It not only prays a blessing for the king, but it also charges the king with how to be king. It sets God's standard for the king. And the standard really couldn't be more clear. The standard focuses on two things, two ways that kings or any sovereign might exercise power. There are right, just judgments. A judicial system that hears the complaints of the people and decides fairly and justly. And then righteousness. The right structuring of the systems the people inhabit so that everyone can thrive. The structuring of the world for justice. And the standard for all that, the one that this psalm articulates, then rolls out like this. May the king govern your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. May he deliver the needy and end all oppression. May the king deliver the needy when they call. May he rescue the poor and those who have no helper. May he have compassion on the weak and the needy. May he save the lives of the needy. May he redeem the lives of the vulnerable from all oppression and violence again and again. And then that beautiful line, after all that sung on behalf of the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalized, the psalm sings this to the king, may their blood be precious in your sight. May their lives be precious in your sight. May the lives and well-being of the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized be at the heart of everything you do O king. One writer puts it like this. In this psalm, the only stated responsibility of the king is to establish justice for the oppressed and to rescue the poor and the needy. This is a psalm for the king and for the people. It is a psalm that sings the world God wants. They sang it at coronations, and then they sang it again and again in their life together, a reminder of the one standard for kings, for any sovereign, the one standard for how we live and structure our lives together in nations and communities. How are you doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized? in the judgments rendered in your courts, in your systems that allocate resources, that establish rights and responsibilities? How are you doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized? 
It is the standard for kings and for everyone entrusted with power in our public life, entrusted with power for the public good, for the well-being of all people. And if you think about it, that standard has more than a little resonance with what was articulated at the founding of this nation in the Declaration of Independence as they broke from a king who too often did the things that kings do, they wrote this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now we know that when the founders articulated those truths back then, they weren't a reality for all people. The founders protected slavery. And you know that I changed that a little bit. The Declaration actually reads, all men are created equal. It's better understood as all people. But these rights and freedoms were slow coming over our history. They were slow coming to women. Our national work over all these years has been in large part struggling to make those truths more real. So as we celebrate this weekend the truths we claimed back then and as we think about this psalm, it might be good to ask, so how are we doing? Two weeks ago, the Supreme Court issued a decision in a case brought by the Navajo Nation. The history of this nation's relationship with indigenous tribes and nations is a history of treaties made and broken, made and broken again and again. This case involved the treaty that established the Navajo Res Reservation and as Robin explained to us in last week's Sunday seminar, among other things that treaty, uh, under that treaty, the US, the United States government, holds in trust the water rights of the Navajo Nation. It's a fiduciary relationship. They hold it in trust. That water, as water in so many places, is now scarce. And the Navajo people asked for an accounting of those water rights. Where do we stand? And the federal government said that it had no obligation to do that. And the United States Supreme Court, a majority of them, agreed. Justice Gorsuch's dissent is worth a read. Now, here's Scott Clark saying to read Justice Gorsuch. How are we doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized in our midst? Just a few weeks ago, as we observed Juneteenth, we talked again about the continuing harm that persists through American systems of racial injustice. This past week, the Supreme Court took away one tool for addressing continual, continuing racial disparities in colleges and universities, the consideration of race and the impact of racism as one factor among others in college admissions. How are we doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized in our midst? Today, there are millions of folks, millions of families who are hurting following the court's decision on student loan forgiveness. 
Now, that case was ultimately about presidential power, and so the court may actually have had a point about the limits of that power. We want the president to have limits on their power, um, whoever they are. But what does it say about our nation where so many, if not most, lower-income and middle-class families can only send their kids to college by taking on the burden of crushing debt? How are we doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized in our midst? And of course, there's the decision Friday that gave business own, a business owner an exception to generally applicable civil rights laws so that she could refuse service to LGBTQIA plus couples in our families because she believes our marriage is to be, as she says, false. I don't even know what that means. How are we doing with regard to the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized in our midst. The people sang this psalm for the nations at the coronation of the king. And they kept on singing it long after the kings were gone. Long after the king's regimes had collapsed and the next empire had rolled in with its power over, they kept singing this psalm, persisting in the hope for the world God wants, a world that comes alongside the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized, a world where righteousness might flourish and peace abound, a world where everyone, everyone thrives. We receive this psalm from them. And hear it today in our world. We hear it in a faith tradition that sees Jesus as sovereign, not through power over, but as the Philippian scripture said, by coming alongside humanity, by entering into humanity fully and completely, and particularly coming alongside the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized. And we hear this psalm today, we hear it in our world in the systems and structures that we inhabit and that we shape this government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And so, as people of faith living in this nation, as we hear this psalm for all the nations, we could, with just a subtle shift of pronoun, make its prayer and its charge our own. O oh God, in our life together, may we defend the poor. May we deliver the needy and end all oppression. May we help the needy when they call. May we rescue the poor and those who have no helper. May we have compassion on the weak and the needy. May we save the lives of the needy. May we redeem the lives of the vulnerable from all oppression and violence. The poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized, may their lives be precious in our eyes. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights and that those rights include the right to life and to liberty and to the pursuit of happiness. 
may we find the work that is ours to do to make these truths more true every day in the life we live and the world we shape together.